The NBA is letting the coaches challenge plays. Is this a good move? We'll discuss. The Knicks add their fourth or fifth four. I can't keep track. And what to do about Russell Westbrook? Is there another team other than the Miami Heat that makes sense? It's the Wednesday edition of Locked On NBA. Let's do this. You are Locked On the NBA, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Welcome to the Wednesday edition of Locked On NBA, the daily podcast covering everything you want to know around the association. On Wednesdays, I'm your co-host Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter, and the host of the Locked On Pelicans podcast. And I am Nick Angstead. You can follow me on Twitter at Nick Van Exit. I am the host of the Locked On Mavericks podcast, co-host with Isaac Harris, of course. So let's just kind of dive right on into everything. Actually, before we do that, I do have to tell you, subscribe to the Locked On NBA podcast wherever you get your podcast from. There's a lot going on around the league right now, and you want to keep up to date with all of it. No better than a podcast that's out Monday through Friday recapping everything you need to know. And today's biggest news is the NBA is letting coaches challenge certain plays out there on the court. I believe it. you can challenge out-of-bounds plays, personal fouls called a against your team what are the two others i'm forgetting here they can challenge uh goaltending is another one i don't think you mentioned that yep. one and basket uh, interference basket interference yeah and, and they balls knocked out of bounds and fouls yeah, yeah so they tested this in the g league a little bit before it seemed like this was just a foregone conclusion that it was going to come to the nba just so nick just right off the bat are you in favor of this Man, my initial reaction was that this is terrible because the end of games are so long already. I mean, we have you know, all these stoppages of plays. That's, that's probably the biggest complaint from casual fans that I get. It's like, man, you know, the end of the game is so long, especially my wife, who is not even a fan of the NBA. Yeah, that's not someone really... you want to make upset either. <laughs> not, yes, <laughs> not even a fan of the NBA or basketball for that matter. And she'll say, how much time is left in that game? And I'll be like, there's only a minute, 30 seconds left. She's like, all right, I'll see you in half an hour. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Is this going to add to that? That was my initial thought. And then reading a little bit more about that, it could be. It could be another stoppage of play, but it also doesn't necessarily have to. The coaches, they have to have a timeout remaining. And then uh, if they get the challenge right, they keep the timeout. But then if they get it wrong, they lose that timeout. And so – if they get if they keep getting them wrong, if coaches are wrong, which coaches are often wrong, we we watched <laughs> so many times over the years where coaches are like that was a foul, and you look at the replay at it's commercial, not, not a foul at all. Like, <laughs> like that was not even anywhere close to a foul. So it just depends on how right we think the coaches are, whether this adds extra time to a game or not. So the, the interesting thing about it is, and and you know, I think we've got. I, I just saw they like announced the actual like rules regarding this. If they're not using it a ton at end of games, it's not really going to slow down games that much. You know, you add thirty seconds to a minute in the middle of a broadcast, it's not really that big of a deal. And they're working on speeding up the game in other ways to kind of counterbalance this. But 
I don't know. Like anything that slows the game down, and they already review some of this stuff anyway. I don't necessarily know if this is really what we need to do. That also kind of opens the officials up to a little bit more criticism. At I don't know if the NBA wants because there's been some issues with that. The players openly criticizing the refs. The refs go into their refs Twitter account to kind of defend themselves, and this just feels like it'll add a little bit to that divisiveness. It could. I also think that, and somebody pointed this out to me on Twitter. Um, that it could also allow the refs a little more leeway in not having to go review everything, right? Like, hey, you want us to review that? We can do an official challenge. You have that opportunity. So it's not every single play where, you know, players now do this, where they wave their finger in the air the same way coaches are going to have to. They wave their finger in a circle in the air, and they say, hey, review this, review this. You you can. Uh, You know, in the last two minutes, you can review all this stuff. Does that allow now the the reps to kind of ease back on reviewing every single thing because it is available to, to, you know, players and coaches. Yeah. That's actually a really interesting point. It's do you, I don't know, maybe give more leeway to not making a call knowing that you can go back and review it. It's kind of like VAR in the women's world cup where maybe they just kind of let things happen (laughs) knowing that they're like, cool. If it was, Yeah, I know. <laughs> Go. <laughs> Thank you, by the way, VAR. Uh, but like, you know, they would let things happen and then continue for a minute before then trying to figure it out in hopes of kind of getting the calls right. You know, but this isn't necessarily like a penalty kick that's going to be the go-ahead goal, the game-winning goal. These are sometimes going to be kind of inconsequential things. So I don't know if I'm in favor of slowing the game down. What I think you and I are on the same page about is it's kind of disappointing that there aren't actually challenge flags. And you said before we started recording, <laughs> everyone's going to be like, throw the flag, even though it's not that yes. at all. Yes, you were introducing the segment to me as, OK, we'll talk about the challenge flags. And I was like, that's funny because they're not really flags. <laughs> they just have to twirl their finger in a circle. But what they should really have something really ridiculous in body. Did you ever have a spirit stick in, in high school or middle school or anything like that? What? Uh, like me personally? Like at your high school, no, they have a spirit stick. We were so this is this is something that, that I had at my high school, and I'm sure other people have, where it's just a ridiculous looking stick with like flags on the end of it and all these colors and stuff. And whatever class has the most spirit, whether it's sophomores, juniors, seniors, whatever, they get the spirit stick. And it's the dumbest thing that they do at prep rallies, but that's what it should be on the bench. It should be like this huge spirit stick. You pick up, it has flags on the end of it, and you just wave it around in a circle because we have to know. Like, twirling the finger, that could be a play call. I mean, that's not. It's not demonstrative enough for me. No, and also if you if a TV viewer is trying to figure out what happened, like if they're just twirling their finger, yeah. you're not looking at that. Like a big giant flag that you're waving or I don't know, some other object is definitely better. I liked what Robin Lopez uh, said on Twitter a couple minutes ago where he goes, why do we need to have actual flags? Why can't we just continue the time-honored tradition of verbally harassing officials? Which also seems to do a very good job and kind of what goes on in the NBA. Maybe this kind of gets uh, the players to stop that a little bit. I don't know. Look, if you're going to slow the game down for me, you better do something that adds the entertainment value back. So I like someone told me they need to do like three pelvic thrusts. And that's the official way that you call for a challenge. And I'm like, cool. I like it. Anything that just adds some humor to it. Let's make coaches look like idiots, even though they do a pretty good job of that already, as is some of these guys. Oh, RIP Tom Thibodeau with his, <laughs> his yell, constant yelling. I do think, though, I do think this adds a, a different wrinkle of the actual play in the game. Well, we're going to talk about this. I mean, how many times in the NFL, and I'm sure with the Saints, you talk about this all the time, that you know <laughs> we talk about challenging plays and how the review went over and when to use the challenge and just the different strategy that we can talk about. So at least we're focusing now 
more on the actual game, you know, and gameplay than we are on all the stuff that we've been talking about the last couple of weeks. I think it does add a little wrinkle that we can talk about more, you know, in the media, which we're always looking for that. And so I'm for it in that sense that, you know, it is going to be another thing we're going to be able to talk about. No, you're right. I like this. Just that's going to give me like a segment or two a week on the podcast. So like, hell yeah, sign me me up to Challenge Flags. We're pros here. Did Alvin Gentry utilize the challenge enough? Hey, look, Alvin Gentry, this is a side note, but one of the things I find the absolute funniest things of the regular season. So the Pelicans obviously ended up with Zion Williamson. And, you know, you have to have, like, the exact universe where that goes to plan, the one timeline where it works. And Alvin Gentry, at the end of a game, called a timeout he didn't have, which caused him to lose a game against the Suns, where everyone was calling him to be fired and somehow ended up getting the Pelicans Zion Williamson. Because if he doesn't call that timeout and they win the game, we don't have it. So I don't, yeah, exactly. I don't know what Alvin Gentry thinks about these challenge things because he was a little bit confused that day. But so that's the biggest news coming out of the league today. And of course, if you want to keep up to date with everything, again, make sure you subscribe to the Locked On NBA podcast wherever you get your podcast from Monday through Friday here with a rotating cast of hosts and some of the best guests you can get. Keep up to date with everything going on around the association by subscribing to the Locked On NBA podcast. So we had some news coming out from New York and a bit of a weird situation. They had signed Reggie Bullock to a deal. It sounds like he's not going to be healthy and they're working on kind of retooling his deal. But with the money that they've come up, they are signing uh, Marcus Morris to a new deal after he had agreed to one with the San Antonio Spurs. And now he's kind of going back on that. And no one's signed anything. So technically, this is kind of all above the board. But this is weird for a number of reasons and something we probably need to talk about overall, how they kind of structure free agency here. So, Nick, first, is this a a good move for the Knicks? Because they definitely need more power forwards, right? And also, how upset should the Spurs be about this? Man, for the Knicks, I just I don't understand this. (laughs) You're you're making another team mad in the Spurs, which... In the NBA world, I know you know you're competitive and you're trying to get an advantage over everybody, but making a team mad like this and, and you know kind of making that player renege because you're giving him more money and go back on something, uh, I don't know if that's the best move for the Knicks to do. I also just wonder, you know, player-wise, if this makes any sense. Like <laughs> no, I it doesn't. The beginning, they're adding another four. I mean, uh, the Mavericks were looking at Marcus Morris and they ended up not signing him when they still have space they ended up not signing him because they believe that he is a four and not you know a three like he can play sometimes like he has with the celtics no, he, but... he's 100 percent a front court player like that's entirely yes. what he is and the knicks signed julius randall bobby portis and Todd gibson to all play the same position and like this is just weird i don't get it I don't get it for the Knicks perspective from the Spurs perspective it sucks because you just you just traded Davis Bertans because you were ha- you were bringing in Marcus Morris and you're able to do that and uh, they wanted to save some money there so they traded him away and now I mean where are they left now like uh, everyone's I mean, gone in free agency basically so they may they have, have like 18 guards though that's the thing they could just play like three guards and or four guards and LaMarcus Aldridge that's what they could do yeah that's that's totally going going to work um <laughs> That'll be hilarious when they play the Knicks and it's like four guards versus four power forwards. (laughs) Like you have to feel bad for anyone who's going to be playing point guard for the Knicks next year because, which is probably going to be Alfred Payton because that dude's never going to get to actually play point guard because he's going to give the ball to one of the four power forwards and then he's not going to get it back and no one else is going to get it because all of those guys want the ball in their hands to kind of try and score and do their thing. 
if you're one of the guys, if you were Julius Randle, Portis, or Kibson, you probably are also upset about this. You signed there thinking, like, this was the roster, this is going to be set, and now you're pecking order, and your minutes are kind of impacted by this, too. So, like, they can't be happy, can they? I mean, the check's clear the same way, Jake. That's a good point. <laughs> <laughs> However, they do all have those weird team options in the second year, except Julius Randle, who's his is in the third. So... These guys are going to have to prove themselves if they want that second-year deal. And so, yeah, now it takes some of their you know, time out. It takes some of their you – know, you just have to hope at that point that the coaches in the front office are not just looking at numbers, which are we sure that they're doing that? I mean, are, <laughs> are they sure? looking at anything there? Are we sure that they're doing that? The one thing I want to point out about this whole situation is that this is a great, amazing, outstanding move for Marcus Morris. So even though he goes into a situation where he is going to be now the fourth – you know, power forward or four brought into this team. He goes from making, you know, $10 million over, you know, two years to making $15 million. He's going to get bought out before the playoffs. He's going to go to a playoff <laughs> team, whether it's the Lakers with clutch or whoever. And then he's, and then he's going to be a free agent again next summer when there's not as many good players out there and he's going to get paid again. This is a great move for him. And even though it maybe upsets the Spurs in his case and, you know, we've we've seen players in the past, like like uh, my team, DeAndre Jordan. Yep, goes back on a contract and ends up signing with that team again. So it's not like it, this can't be fixed, right? It's not like this relationship is unfixable from a player standpoint. It does make him look kind of bad, but this is a great move for him. No, you're right. That's a very good point. This dude's getting way more money overall now <laughs> than he would have otherwise. Look, I, I don't fault players for this. Like they get, you know, they're they're told it's a business, so they can treat it like a business too, which is kind of what he's doing. I also think kind of the reputational aspects of this, when people think this is like kind of damaging, like really isn't the case. Like we, like you said, with DeAndre Jordan ends up signing with the Dallas Mavericks, it's not like his agent's going to be blackballed at all either because his agent in this case is Rich Paul. Maybe one if of he the was most... going to be, he was already there. Yeah, if like if you don't like dealing with Rich Paul, you just don't like dealing <laughs> with Rich Paul. You're not going to. It's like Marcus Morris is not the breaking point here for you with this deal. But I think this kind of speaks to what everyone feels this off season, which is. Like, I don't know about the way the moratorium's set up. I don't know if you need to, like, you know, wait on certain things because it just kind of creates a whole lot more trouble than it's worth. And we saw it with the Anthony Davis trade holding up, like, seven other teams involved with it, too. And then the Lakers trying to maybe delay that, which stopped guys from getting into Summer League with their teams anyway, which, look, in the grand scheme of things is not a big deal. But I don't know. Like, there's got to be a better way to do all of this. I think part of it is part of something that people have been talking about a lot and that's moving free agency before the draft where we can we can do all these things first because that changes the fiscal year of the NBA like the, the new fiscal year starts in free agency that's why guys can all you know become free agents and they sign their new deals and stuff i think if we change that then we can we can fix some of this stuff the trades happen that we allow time to go through you know guys can actually get drafted by their own teams it fixes put on the that right problem. hats put on the right hats go you know go play for the summer league teams most of them uh, that aren't it seems like a lot right now players are dealing with injury in summer league and that's why they're not playing like uh, but it, we would be allow teams to get their summer league teams set up and play there and then it would also you know allow all these trades to go through i think that might be a, a big change that might be coming but yeah it's it's kind of a mess but however <laughs> we love the mess i love when it gets messy no this I is i love this kind of stuff this is why we have a job no exactly and like <laughs> this was probably the most 
fun off season for everybody. Like the most annoying part of this was just people kind of being annoying on Twitter, notably Lakers fans, about who they're going to get. How dare you? I know, right? Well, I'm just going to hear this later from them because that's what usually happens. And no, it's like, but if that's the worst thing that's really coming out of all of this, and like the worst case is the Spurs are a little bit upset, and then Morris makes a bunch more money, like everyone's still coming out okay in all of this. So yeah, they probably should fix it. But in the grand scheme of things, like this is not a big deal whatsoever. Yeah, no, not really. But the player movement is is great for us. I love to see it happen. I love all the different players getting to move around, and you know. it's tough on their families, but it's good for them that they get to make their own decisions. And, you know, guys like like Kawhi Leonard, this is the first time he ever really made a real decision on where he wanted to play, and he got to make that decision. And I'm all for players getting to make those decisions more often because they have, you know, they make the, the league run. And, you know, I get to make decisions about my career. Other people get to make their decisions about their career all the time on a, you know, case-by-case basis unless you have a, a contract or something like that. So I'm all for players getting to make their decisions more often. Yeah, and I think we're going to see some changes because it sounds like Adam Silver's been talking about this recently. I see a quote from him here, which is, we should not have rules that are not strictly enforced. Um, basically saying <laughs> that, like, let's not even worry about tampering and maybe not have tampering rules with some of this. And, you know, I think it's kind of funny that it's like, yeah, maybe we can be better, but everyone kind of likes this. So we'll figure it out and keep it so that everyone's happy. Because, yes, this was awesome. It was a lot of fun, which is also a reason why you should subscribe to the Lock on NBA podcast again Monday through Mm. Friday breaking down the biggest news the day after it happens you don't want to have to wait a week to know more about Kawhi Leonard to know more about Anthony Davis or any of the big names that are out there signing big deals and basically just changing the shape of the league as we've seen it so wherever you get your podcast from make sure you subscribe to the locked on NBA podcast So final segment of the show here. And yeah, let's just kind of wade right into the Russell Westbrook situation because I kind of like what's going on with him and the Thunder really working together to just kind of find the best solution. I like that this kind of feels like when your parents get old and they start estate planning and like trying to figure out what to do (laughs) and have like weird talks with you, but they're kind of important talks. That's basically what we're doing here to like the Oklahoma City Thunder, the Thunder model and like everything they've gone through, right? Or like when your parents, they lived in one place for so long and you grew up there and like they have your childhood home still. And then they're like, hey, we're retiring and going somewhere else because we have the rest of our life and uh, we want to go do things in other places that aren't that isn't here. And you're like, wait, I grew up here. (laughs) No time to go no like but it's nice and it's it's good that like Westbrook kind of accepts this it seems like he's genuinely happy with everything there like his loyalty has been exemplary and something that maybe should be you know really held in high regard but this is the right move for all parties involved so they talked about Westbrook to the Miami Heat which seems like maybe the most likely outcome Pat Riley does not care for rebuilding or building a team in a conventional sense and wants big name players and frankly I love this idea because at one point you're going to get a fist fight between Jimmy Butler and Russell Westbrook it just might be in practice where we don't get to see it but that's going to be a really fun story to have to cover here with everything but are there, you think there's any other teams out there because I've got one or two on my list that maybe makes sense for Westbrook but it's kind of tough to find him a new home it's very tough. That's a huge contract. It's a long time. Um, and it's crazy to find a trade that works for Russell Westbrook and makes their fans happy on both sides. Because on one point, you, you post any kind of fake trade with Westbrook, and OKC fans will say that's not enough, right? Like, yeah. I feel like 
every single OKC fan way overvalues Westbrook. And then fans on the other side will say, that's too much. Like, whatever you put in, if it's picks or just a young player, anything, they're like, it's too much. He, we only will take him for a salary dump. They're like, well, that's not realistic either. So you're looking on both sides. The one place besides Houston that makes absolutely no sense, but the one <laughs> other realistic place that I can think of, and this would be a completely change of pace for this franchise, but my co-host uh, Isaac Harris on uh, Locked On Maps came up with this location that no one has mentioned before, and I just found it fascinating. The Cleveland Cavaliers. They get okay. some of the, They get some of those young guys they reunite westbrook and love they're back in it that's probably i don't know seventh or eighth seed in the east right you still have some of those guys yeah. left over from you know the lebron days you bring westbrook there westbrook can operate in similar ways that lebron did when he was there uh john beeline all of a sudden goes from this young team that is excited to groom to like this team that's ready to go and with westbrook and trying to figure that out that'd be interesting but for the Cavs, i mean if, if dan gilbert wants to be back in it if they don't want this long rebuild and make this huge move I I don't hate that idea kind of at all. That's not a team I had thought of whatsoever. Um, you know, and yeah, like wh- what else is Cleveland really supposed to do? Their salary cap is just an absolute mess with things yeah. too. So it kind, of, it kind of makes a lot of <laughs> sense actually that, yeah, maybe this is uh, what you would end up doing with it. So I actually really like that idea here for him. So I've got two that make some sense, I think. Maybe not the most sense. What would you say to some deal with the Minnesota Timberwolves that kind of shake them up? Because they are in a really weird spot kind of where are they good? Are they not good? We're not really sure. But they do have that Wiggins contract that they're probably desperate to get out of. They have picks they could include in all of that. I think the biggest issue is Wiggins is also four years, so it's not like OKC gets out of that kind of salary hell that they're in, which is really what it is anytime soon. So I don't know. Wiggins, Teague, and someone else maybe and a bunch of picks kind of get you there salary-wise. I just like, I, I get why maybe Minnesota would do that, but I also get why maybe the Oklahoma City Thunder wouldn't do that. Well, Minnesota has learned anything over the Anthony Davis saga is that you have to you have to do things right. Like you can't just be this team that runs things back, you know, with this underperforming team over and over again around this young superstar. They have towns and it's sad. It's sad for Minnesota, but their clock is ticking Like right now. If they stand pat and they haven't made any big moves this summer, they were trying to get into the D'Angelo Russell thing. They weren't able to do that. This could be a, a big move that they make. It could be. It could prove to be the DeMarcus Cousins move for the Pelicans, right? Yeah. <laughs> they, they make that huge move, and it, it should have probably p- played out a little bit better if he didn't get injured. But they try this big swing, and if it works, then you know Towns stays. Towns is signed for a while after this. so But their clock is ticking on him. And uh, and even though he's under contract, like we just saw with Paul George, he can demand a trade. And <laughs> that just, do, that right? doesn't mean much anymore right now, does it? It's wild. So, like, and I think that's kind of the thing, you know, like, if you're Towns, you should probably welcome a move like this. And, like, there's something to be said for a team at least trying. Like, instead of staying stuck where they are, even if it doesn't end up being the right move, you at least got to do something. Maybe the Portland Trailblazers going for Whiteside is kind of a good example of this. And also, we've seen other stars 
kind of do well, you know, next to Westbrook. Do they do as well as they could? I don't know. But Kevin Durant won an MVP there, and Paul George just finished, what, third next to Westbrook? Yeah. It's not like this would, like, hurt Towns <laughs> in any weird way that I think a lot of people, you know, kind of want to label almost Westbrook like a, a teammate killer. But that's not the case. I think we've kind of got evidence against that. Is it the best style of game that he plays? Maybe not. Is it probably going to age poorly? Oh, yes, most definitely. <laughs> but you've got to do something, and I think they're kind of a team to do that. What if... And this goes back to the last segment we talked about. You mentioned that all of those guys, all of the power forwards that the Knicks signed are... Oh, no, don't do this to them. (laughs) Don't do this to them. Don't do this to them. Look, if they... The Knicks fans don't deserve this. I mean, I don't know about that. Uh, (laughs) No, no one probably deserves this. But say you... I'm not saying you're putting R.J. Barrett in a trade. I think he's untouchable there. But would you do something like Julius Randle, Bobby Portis, and maybe a guy like Kevin Knox or Alonzo Trier thrown in there too with a couple of first-round picks for Westbrook on, say, December 15th when most of those guys can be traded? They're team options for the second or third year, so you get out of that kind of salary cap hell that they're in further away from the luxury tax. If Knicks, if the Knicks feel like they're getting desperate, and my God, they should feel like that because they're not signing anyone in free agency, particularly after Dolan in the middle of the season said they were going to sign a bunch of guys in free agency and no one wanted to go there. This makes some sense, right? I'm not crazy, am I? It makes some sense. You know, I, I would just, it'd be crazy. This is so close to the mellow thing though, right? Like <laughs> to just, to just find this star that's sort of aging, and uh and you know the best years of his career are probably behind him at this point and then to just trade for him with all these guys that you just got and some of them interesting some of them not as interesting and then kind of gut your team and then just get one guy to try and just put up numbers for a couple years man i don't know it does make some sense but are you getting where, where does, just where does that put them I, I'm, I'm okay with the knicks now like in this rebuild mode and uh i don't i don't like it <laughs> that's if, fair if I'm, Look, a, if I'm a knicks fan i just i'm not feeling it okay no i i don't know i was just trying to see it, it, like we were saying there's like not a ton of stuff that makes a lot of sense it's on not. where there's to like teams with point guards th- there's a ton around the league you see a lot of teams also have forwards who can kind of handle the ball a little bit they're going to try this in la with lebron james a good bit like it oh. just it's it, and also the salary and everything is just like such a problem. This is a guy who was the MVP what three seasons ago now, and we're like, yeah, no, you just can't move him whatsoever, which is wild, but kind yeah. of speaks to like I don't know his style of game and how like you said it's not going to age well, and his best years are were probably three years ago, and those triple double numbers look really nice, but he just doesn't feel nearly as impactful as he should is maybe the best way to put it. Well, the MVP is regular season award. It just it is, and it it should be. And uh, he went. You win that by winning the regular season, and that's what he did. Uh, he didn't even win that many games that season, and now nope. it feels like you get the black mark in uh, what was it, Pirates of the Caribbean? You get the black mark if you were one of the ones that voted for Westbrook for MVP. Like Rachel <laughs> Nichols, every time she mentions Westbrook, she has to defend her MVP vote from like three years ago on TV. You're like, it's yeah. okay, Rachel. We've, we've all forgot who voted for him. And she still feels like she has to defend herself because <laughs> it, in hindsight, it just, it does not look good because, you know, three first round exits and his game just doesn't translate to the playoffs very well. No, and it's a shame because he's actually very fun to watch. Again, like you said, though, just doesn't translate. And even in the MVP season, they, they were what, like the sixth seed, I think it was? I forget exactly, but not not the best. So 
Those are the biggest stories here in today's edition of Locked On NBA, the Wednesday edition of Locked On NBA. Thank you all for listening. That's going to do it for today's podcast. Don't forget, subscribe to Locked On NBA. Leave a five-star review. And on Wednesday, I'm Jake Madison, host of the Locked On Pelicans podcast, and you can follow me on Twitter at Nola Jake. And I am Nick Angstead. You can follow me on Twitter at Nick Van Exit. Locked on Mavs every single day still until stuff stops happening. We're, we're going every single day. We're pushing hard. This is a huge time. Luca and Porzingis and whoever else. Let's go. Hey, there's a lot of intriguing teams out there. Mavs included, Pels included. We've got a Locked On podcast for all of them. So make sure that you follow and subscribe to whatever your favorite team is. Thank you all for listening. And I'll be back next week with you all.